Okay, I want to talk to you uh, in just a few minutes. I was reading through Matthew 5, 6, 7, saying, okay, God, what, what next? What next? Do I just kind of uh, jump in straight after uh, Caitlin's brilliant message from last week? Do I pick up from what Martin is saying and, and just go after that? And so I'm just reading, and, I'm, and I've chosen to just to shake myself up, read from a different translation. So I'm reading, I picked up my NIV translation, just because it, it's not the normal translation that I read. And so it makes me think as I'm reading, uh, because I'm not just reading what I know. I am reading what I know, but I'm reading it in a, in, with slightly different emphasis, slightly different expressions, and it, it just makes me think a little bit differently, because I, I want to kind of all the time I want to step out of my comfort zone I want to just and it's just a little step but it's a step and I try to do that all the time so I'm, I'm using my, my NIV and even reading Psalm 91 out of the NIV I'm thinking oh yeah I know this but it sounds so different uh, uh, because it's not the NLT that I normally read and um, and so I found myself reading through in Matthew uh, 5, 6 and 7 and I began to notice something as I was reading. But the, let me tell you what the trigger was that fired the gun or, of interest in my mind. I, I was listening to somebody else speak um, because um, Ellen and I spent a morning with a couple of other pastors uh, just planning tonight uh, their new wine cumry, their pastors in the community uh, of Carmarthenshire. And we were just uh, strategizing about tonight and talking about that. And um, I'm always interested in what other people are hearing and thinking. What's God saying to you? Because I'm, I'm, I'm always intrigued because I think if God's whispering something to me and I hear that he's whispering a similar thing to you, to you then I'm encouraged. If I hear that, that actually I'm hearing this and you're hearing something completely different, I'm thinking, oh, Oh, uh, so am I, am I maybe slightly out of step? I'm always trying to measure myself and keep in... Uh, do I sound a bit anal? Maybe I am. But, um, um, and so I said, uh, what are you reading, guys? What are you reading? What's, what's kind of sparking interest? What are, you know, what are you listening to? And, and uh, one of them said to me, goodness me, you ask that question all the time. You ask that question all the time. I thought, oh my gosh, am I a little bit boring? Or, anyway. And this friend said, um, well, actually, I listened to a, a, a talk that has really rattled me. It's really controversial. And I said, oh, right. He said, I'm not sure if I will play it to my church, but it's intrigued me. And, and I said, oh, right, okay. And he, he Named the guy. The guy's called Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley leads one of the largest churches, 44,000 people in his church. And, uh, and he's just made this. Uh, Martin's read the book about this. Uh, Martin's ahead of the game. I'm playing catch up. <laughs> but, um, and so I listened to this guy talk, and it's intriguing. And it's not radical in my book, it's radical in my mate's book. But it's not too radical for me. But, in, oh, 
He's got it with him. That was for me to read. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's called Irresistible. And, uh, and I'm not going to talk about the book. I, I don't want to talk about the book. But I want to talk to you about something that he said that got my attention in light of what I was reading in Matthew. And, I, and I've written it down. He said this. He said, if someone predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, we should go along with whatever they say. If somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, we should go along with whatever they say. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But then I'm reading Matthew and I'm hearing something that Jesus says, and it's this, but I tell you, but I say, but I tell you, but I tell you, but I tell you. They say this, they do that, but I tell you. And 63 times in Matthew, Jesus says, I tell you. Uh, 15 times in 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, 15 times Jesus says it. I'm not going to do all 15, but I want to talk to you about nine. But today is St. David's Day, and um, I... I knew a little bit about St. David, but not as much as I thought. And you know, St. David was born about AD 500, and he died about, some variants, about anywhere between uh, 589 and 600 AD. There's a bit of a uh, disagreement on exactly when he died. But what they are absolutely sure about was that he influenced the nation with Christianity. He was a man of faith who followed the Lord Jesus Christ with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and led a nation in revival. But not just a nation. He, he, he recruited countless evangelists, trained and equipped, and sent them out to evangelize Ireland, England, Scotland, uh, the, uh, the coast of France, was affected by this man's ministry. But he set up monasteries. He was based in West Wales. We, we know that. Oh, you know that. And he loved daffodils. No, no he didn't. No, he didn't. He, he was a leek man. No. But his last words are recorded. Because he spoke on a Sunday before he died. And they've... They have recorded his, not literally a recording, obviously it's not an audio, uh, but these are, his, are said to be his last words. And it was during a message that he was preaching. He said this, Lords, brothers and sisters, be joyful and keep your faith and your creed and do the little things that you have seen me do and heard about. And as for me, I will walk the path that our fathers have trod before us. And do the little things that you have seen me do. Apparently in Welsh is a very famous sentence in the Welsh language. I, I don't know that, but Google tells me. So here we have David 
Saint David saying, just do what I do. Do what you've seen me do. Do what you've heard about me doing. But don't lose sight of your faith and your creed. The creed is what we believe. Uh, the creed, the Apostles' Creed is this. I'm going to read it to you. It's only, it's a, it's a, this is an abbreviated. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was convinced Sorry, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the uh, he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I don't know about you, but I I agree. I agree with that creed. I agree that that's, that's why I stand before you. I believe that, that Jesus is who he says he is. And so did David. And he's saying to the people that were following him, the people that were listening to him, listen, do what I do, but also do what you've heard that I've done. And don't neglect your faith and your creed. Faith is the action that comes out of knowing what you know. Faith looks like something, all right? The creed is something that you know. But faith is our action. So he's saying, do what I'm telling you. Jesus is saying, I want you to do what I'm suggesting you should do. So I'm going to just journey very quickly in 15 minutes. I'm going to take you through nine verses and share a thought with you. But I want to challenge you to do it for yourself. Just look at, and they're in, you might need to go to the NIV, because I, I didn't check how the other translations have translated it. Uh, but I've just highlighted them with an orange highlighter. And Matthew 5 is the chapter, but I'm going to pick it up in verse uh, 18 first. It's the first one. And this is Jesus, he's saying, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter in the Greek, that word is iota, and we still use that word iota, not, not a iota. It means small letter. Not an iota of it will be removed. From the, and nothing will be removed or disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Until everything is accomplished. Nothing is going to be removed. I'm telling you the truth. Nothing is going to be removed from the law. The law, the apostles are right and proper. And nothing is going to be removed from them until everything is accomplished. Until everything is accomplished. You know Jesus' last words on the cross? Yeah? NIV translated as... It is, everything is accomplished. Everything is accomplished. When he's on the cross, he's accomplished everything that the law said. To have a relationship with the Father, you have to keep all of these laws, 613. You have to keep them all. Then you'll be good enough to have a relationship with the Father. And Jesus says, I've accomplished all of that because there was no sin in him. 
when he's on that cross and he's there dealing with your sin and my sin and the, the righteousness that is holding him on the cross actually covers you and me, the Bible teaches me, that his righteousness is now my righteousness. So actually, his accomplishment covers me. And he's telling me, I'm telling you, that it was accomplished on the cross. Everything that was necessary for you to have a relationship with the Father was accomplished on the cross. Because he's telling you. And I'm here to repeat him. It is completed. Everything accomplished. Everything is sorted. He established his life as a model that we need to listen to and look to for how we live our lives. We need to style our life on his model. So when you go out, we're going to be issuing sandals and some sackcloth. and No, 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 no. No. <laughs> No, just big black Bibles. No, no. You see, he's speaking to his disciples about the culture that they're immersed in. The culture that they're immersed in. And you'll hear him talk, well, let's go to number two, uh, which is actually verse 20. Okay, you have heard that it is said, that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. He's saying, he's taking the law that is being lived by the Pharisees with, they got like an exterior of righteousness, but inside they're hollow. Because they teach the law, but they don't practice the law. They say the right thing, but they don't do the right thing. And Jesus is saying all the way through these nine times just here, he's saying, listen, don't do what they do. This is what I really want you to do. This is what I'm saying. They're saying don't commit murder. But listen, I'm saying don't even think about it. I'm taking you to a different level. They are just surface. I'm taking you deep. I want you to reflect through your life my standard. We have to choose to do what is right. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of God. So don't just not commit murder. Have a different standard Because it's the different standard that guarantees your inheritance. It's choosing to live right. Now, I'm not saying that you lose your salvation, but listen, you you lose your reward. You get in, but there is, it's a different teaching, but but the Bible teaches clearly that there are rewards. Verse 22, I need to be quick. Look at it for yourself, verse 22. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, there's no kingdom of heaven. So you, we have to do what is right. He's saying, please do what is right. 22, verse 22. Let us pick it up in 21. Uh, you have heard that, it's, that it was said that the people long ago... Oh, okay, I'm already here. I've done this. Yeah, no, it's 26 I want to do. So we need to keep our hearts right. That's what the murder thing is. Keep our hearts right. Let me just go over it. 
But I tell you, if anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So um, it's about doing what is right, but then we need to keep our hearts right because it's out of our heart that we actually behave. So keep our hearts right. Verse 26, I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Here is Jesus saying, unless you settle your difficulties with other people quickly, you will reap judgment that needs you could have avoided if you deal with your difficulties quickly. So we fall out. We fall out. I know you husbands and wives, you never fall out. But sometimes Ellen and I do. It's really, really unusual, and it's nearly always Ellen that's wrong. But we... <laughs> it's actually the opposite is the truth. It's nearly always me and some stupid, arrogant, argumentativeness comes up. But if we don't deal with stuff that we have when there's an issue between each other. Jesus is saying we need to deal with it quickly. We need to have a heart that is all about settling matters swiftly so that there is no fallout for them and for us. Deal with it quickly. He's saying, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Settle matters quickly. Don't just pretend. Settle matters quickly. Deal with what has where you have fallen out with somebody. 28. Um, You have heard it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And I just want to say, it's not what you do with your body that is always, you know, that can be, it's not just what you do with your body that's wrong. It's what you do with your mind that leads to what you do with your body that's wrong. And Jesus is saying very clearly here, you have to keep your thinking in check. You have to keep your che- Don't just be, you know, well, I haven't done anything wrong, but actually in here you've got a storybook full of stuff that is wrong. Because this will trip you up. And he's saying it's deeper than just your actions. It's your thoughts. It's your thoughts. So if we're going to be the people that Jesus wants us to be, we have to keep our thought processes in check. Verse 32 it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of, certificate of d- divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. Here, Jesus is speaking to the frivolous, the frivolous pretexts that men had uh, enabled themselves to just get rid of a wife who made them uncomfortable and challenged them. And Jesus is saying, this is meant to be a serious commitment. You frivolously sign up, sign up, get rid of your wife because she's challenged you about your righteousness. She's challenged you about your attitude. She's challenged you about your anger. She's cha- and you just say, I don't like that. I'll just get rid of her. And Jesus is saying here so much more than just uh, uh, it's about marriage. He's saying this is a commitment made before me. In my presence, this is a commitment, and I'm expecting you to be a person of integrity. That's what it's about. It's not about don't get divorced. God does hate divorce. But sometimes I've counseled ladies in particular, get out of town, get out of there. 
Get away, get away, get away. He's dangerous. And I, I know the pastors in the room do the same because we have a heart to protect. So that 34, verse 34. Oh, two or three minutes. No, I'll go by my watch. That one's faster. This is slower. <laughs> verse 34, where are we? Oaths, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep your oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven or by God's throne or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for it cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Whoa, that last little line, why'd you put that there? Comes from the evil one? Because he's, he wants you to know, he's saying, you swear by this and you, make, you think that makes it serious? And then you don't bother with it? I'm saying, you've got to live by a different way. Just yes or no. Be a man or woman of your word. Of your word. Have integrity. Don't swear thing, by things that you have no control over. Yes and no is the only thing you really have control over. Because if you say yes to something, you have a decision to make. Am I going to fulfill my yes? And he's saying, let your yes be yes. He's saying, keep to your word. You don't need to swear by all these other things to make your word carry weight. Because if you become known as a person of your word... If Bill says yes, you know he'll be there. If Bill says no, you know you cannot just twist his arm. And you and I, Jesus is saying, we need to be people who say yes or no. And that's what we mean. Pure and simple. Verse 39. Verse 38, I'll read from. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Oh no. Somebody hits me? I've got to say take another shot it might be i have to get up off the floor <laughs> take another shot that's not what he's saying that's not what he's saying he's saying you have to be people who handle um a situation you have to handle indignity with dignity that's what he's saying and it's what he did it's what he did when he was before Caiaphas, when he was before Pilate, when he was before Herod. He handled indignity with dignity. It's not about letting somebody punch you again. It's about handling indignity with dignity. Are you known as a person of dignity? Or are you a fiery difficult person are you a person that actually when you face somebody that's done you wrong 
you can actually deal with it with a level of dignity that actually trumps the indignity that you've suffered. Because Jesus is calling us. He's saying, but I'm telling you, but I'm telling you, you Pharisees, these religious people, they say, yeah, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah, that's okay. You know, you can have fat, you can take vengeance. It's justifiable. Yes. And Jesus is saying, no, no. It's not a license for vengeance. This is an opportunity for dignity. Dignity. It's a different standard. What would it look like if our world was full of people that followed Christ and handled the, the difficulties of this world with dignity? Others would comment, because you will stand out. You'll stand out. Don't make excuses for retaliation, but face indignity with dignity. Verse 44. You have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Let me just say that it is believed by scholars, um, uh, rabbinic scholars, that love your enemy. Well, it is. Love your enemy is OT, Old Testament. But the Pharisees in Jesus' day had added... Love your, love your neighbor, that's cool, and hate your enemy. They'd added that to give it extra weight. They'd added that. And Jesus is saying, you've heard it said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm saying love your enemy. Love your enemy. He is showing them the antithesis of the world's teaching. He's saying the opposite to what the church in its day was presenting. And he's saying, this is the standard. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. What does that mean? It's not about just saying, oh, Martin, I really love you. It's not that. I really love living next door to these people down the road from me. I love them. They're lovely people. That's not what it's about. It's about actually having a compassionate desire for their good. A compassionate desire for their good. That's what he's saying. I want you to be a person who has compassionate desire that they will flourish, that they will be blessed, that they will know him, that you have this compassionate desire for their good, that you will bless those who curse you. If you want to know a good story about that, talk to Phil and Elspeth in the back. They have a fantastic story about a challenge that God, that, that God led them through where, well, I'm not going to tell you the story. You'll have to talk to Phil and Elspeth. They'll be back in a bit. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. These are all scriptures that I'm reading to you. Because we're challenged to behave like this. Because this is Jesus' best example. This is what he did. This is what he did. So he's not just saying, oh, let me tell you another way. He's saying, look, I'm telling you my way. I'm telling you my way. They say this, but I say this. And I want to say to you, be a person who chooses to style your life after Christ. Pure and simple. 
you know, pure and simple. Understand that he accomplished it. It's all finished. You don't have to earn your relationship with the Father. Understand that you have a responsibility to choose to do what's right. Understand that you need to keep your heart right to enable your life to be right. Because it's out of your heart that flows everything that you are. You need to make sure that you settle matters quickly with those who you fall out with. You need to understand that uh, it's not just what you do with your body that causes you to stumble. It's how you go down rabbit warrens with your thinking. You need to put a brake check on your mindset. Understand that your relationships, husbands and wives, those relationships are a godly, you made a godly covenant in that relationship. Don't treat it frivolously, but treat it with respect. It's a serious commitment. Don't swear by things you have no control over. Yet, be a person of integrity whose yes is yes and you know is no. Don't, don't take license to take vengeance, but be a person who literally says, I'm going to treat the indignity that I'm experiencing with dignity. I'm going to lift my head. And if necessary, I'll go another mile. And if necessary, I will put up with being slapped again. But I'm going to handle myself with integrity. And it will look like dignity. Be a person who is like that. And love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Don't worry about hating people, but love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love them enough to share who you are with them and who he is to you with them. And the world will begin to see that you're his disciple because you'll be loving others with the love that he loves you with and it will look like something in this community and they'll realize that you found someone who predicted their own death and resurrection and pulled it off and you are doing what they say with your life. It's your choice. And so here today, Arrhenius said this, the, the, the glory of God is a man fully alive. The glory of God is a man fully alive. And it's not a man or woman who just does the religious things. But they're a man or a woman who lives in such a way, who styled their life on his model. He said, we're told that we should be holy as he is holy. But we need to choose. I want to be fully alive. I want my life to be styled after him. I was intrigued with Joel's encouraging word and um, Michelle's challenging thought, trusting God in the silence. And I have this picture of all that I build with my life. It might just be a pile of iron nails that never get used. But maybe, just maybe, I might store up some treasure in heaven that is usable by the King of Kings for his glory. I'm challenged by the thought. Sometimes I just need to be silent and trust. Sometimes I need to actually be the trusting, prayerful, righteous man so that his kingdom comes. I'm going to finish. I didn't want to speak as long as I have. But I want to finish by reading, just because I can, out of the message 
I want to read it out of, this is 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25, out of the message. Because it's different. This is the kind of life you've been invited into. The kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done. And also know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong. Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became our healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your soul. This is the kind of life you've been invited into. The kind of life Christ lived. Will you choose to hear? Will you choose to listen? Will you choose to act when he says, but I tell you, and your life will look a little bit more like him. So Father, I pray that I would be able to experience a little bit more of you challenging me. Lord, I know your words when you said the Holy Spirit will come and convict of sin. Lord, if I'm honest, I I don't like that. I, I quite often want to close my ears and choose another way and Lord, help me, maybe help us, that when we hear, but I tell you, we would take notice and we would begin to moderate and change the way that we think and act so that our lives can be clearly seen to be styled after you, Jesus. And as always, it's for your glory. Please help us that want to choose this path, to walk on it, to stay on it, and to increase our speed so that your kingdom comes as we choose to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.